Thank you for joining us on for On the Road. I'm Kai, and we have a special guest tonight, Mrs. Riosha Bush. She has been a longtime educator within the Atlanta School District. Um, her specialty is history. And tonight she's going to indulge us in a great conversation about Juneteenth and its importance. Hi, Ms. Riosha. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you for having me on your show this evening. I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to come on, come on and, and talk. Um, yes, I have been with uh, Atlanta Public Schools for 15 years. Um, of course, um, I graduated from UGA with my bachelor's in science and social studies education. And of course, I have a master's degree in EDS. And my focus, my teaching focus has always been U.S. history, but I've always, I've taught other uh, subjects, including world history and American government. Um, and again, thank you for having me here this afternoon. I'm very grateful that you are here. I just cannot wait for this conversation to begin. <laughs> um, tell me about, tell my listeners about Juneteenth for those who may not know the importance of this date. Well, um, Juneteenth is very important to the timeline of African-American history because for, for, for various reasons, right? Um, we know that the Emancipation Proclamation uh, went out in January of um, 63, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, we know that the Emancipation Proclamation had dual uh, impact you know, not to just uh, free the slaves, but it's also we was in the throes of war, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to use as much ammunition as you have, whether that ammunition is physical ammunition uh, or psychological ammunition. Um, and being a Lincoln being able to um, state that slaves um, would be free um, in the rebel states was a form of ammunition, right? Mm -hmm. And so he would have to enforce that with the federal troops coming in. And, you know, 63 and 64, those were turning, turning, turning point years in the war, right? All, all the major battles uh, during the Civil War. So in January 63, we had the Emancipation Proclamation saying that slaves in the rebel states now remember Missouri wasn't a rebel state okay mm -hmm. and Missouri was a slave state people keep forgetting that so and and you had another state also that wasn't a rebel state but they they held slaves so you have these the areas that are in rebellion those that seceded from the union right mm -hmm. and so you have Juneteenth now in 1865 right the war is over in April of 1865. Mm -hmm. The Emancipation Proclamation went out in 1863. Uh, you had slaves in Texas that didn't find out that they were free until June of 1865. You get my timeline there? You hear that? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right, so let me back up now for those that missed it. Emancipation Proclamation went out in January of 63, right? Mm -hmm. The war ends in April of 65. 
you have people that didn't that, that were still enslaved uh or still walking around you know as slaves and being used as slaves june 1865 then we free labor and Basically, misunderstandings yes they 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 are they it's free labor mm-hmm um, and you know the reason some people give is that because the federal troops hadn't made over there yet, right? Mm-hmm. Because most of your major uh, battles are taking place at key areas, right? Key mm-hmm. areas where there would be um, the largest Confederate forts, um, areas where you have conjunctions of railroads to try to stop supply lines, you know, Vicksburg, things, uh, battles along the Mississippi River. Battles uh, at the uh, uh, in Atlanta, going out west. You know your most hot, your most important hot spots, right? Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, the reason people make or, or some people give, some historians give, is that you know Texas was the last place that federal troops went into, right? So you had to have people in place to enforce the laws. Mm-hmm. So you have African. Well, and well, they would have been, you know, they are free, but they didn't, you know, their slave owners didn't tell them that they were free or were obey, obeying the federal laws that they, they were free. So you had General Order Number Three, of course. Mm-hmm. Then the General Order Number Three uh, states that you know people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes employer and hired labor. Mm. So, you know, as um, as a as a person that was a slave a minute ago and then you hear this, you know, you 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 you're stuck. Right. And you, and you just shocked. Right. <laughs> You're like, what? Hold up. <laughs> so, like, I can leave. I can run off. I can. I can do my own thing. So, people had people had to make choices. Okay, so you can either stay. You can either go and try to find your family members that you have been sold away from. You know, um, you can take this opportunity and go to a, a new place, maybe up north, mm-hmm. in the northern northern states or out west. To California, because California been a free state, right? California was a free state back when it when it became a state. It was a free state. Or you can go up. You can go further north into Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of opportunity, a lot of uh, fear, angst, and you know the decisions that our forefathers made at that time when they heard that they were free, you know, impact us today. You know, you have families that may have started in the South and grew in North, grew up North, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, Juneteenth is very, is very important to the course, the timeline, as I said, of African-American history. Okay. Um, I have a little story. Uh, see, my mother went to a family reunion. She brought back a pamphlet of our history and my great, great grandfather uh, he was a slave, and of course, he was sold. Well, his, I'm sorry, he was not sold. His wife was sold, and he had a set of children with this particular wife. 
So when she was sold, he never saw her for many, many years. So when he didn't see her, he remarried on the plantation or he mm-hmm. was repaired. And he had a set of children with this next woman. And so when uh, they were free of well, the federal troops came into Georgia and, you know, freed them, his uh, first wife came back. And so he, you know, he said he cannot neglect the first nor the second wife. So what he did, he built two houses on uh, some land in South Georgia. And um, he had two wives. And so that's like, you know, one of those things like, you know, people were sold and people were bred and and it it affected our history like because they kept breaking up uh, homes and also caused not I won't say strangeness or anything like that. It's just what it, it was, what it was. And you know, through the African experience, we always, as a people, handle our uh, responsibilities. And I'm so glad that you know my uh, grandfather was able to handle his responsibilities under the times and the uh, strain of having one wife sold and. Then she come back and he had two wives and he, you know, he still handled his business. But if it wasn't, if slavery was not uh, present, it would have never been like that. And of course, I'm descended from the first wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so it's one of those crazy it, things. You had to clarify that, right? Like, which Yeah, I had to clarify that. <laughs> which wife you came from? <laughs> right. I want to make sure people know. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, that's a good story because it really, I think it signifies the intricate um, ness of slavery. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not, let me say this as a history teacher, there are things that we have to teach, and each state has its own, each state has a test that kids may have to take for for history class, right? Mm -hmm. I know New York has a Regents exam, Georgia, you know, has a U.S history um and of course assessment other states have similar assessments and they have standards that they say these are things we want students to know as a state right mm-hmm. now but i think that some of that stuff is limited and it's limited for, for several reasons right political mm-hmm. right that's one time constraints right there's a lot that's happening in history and you only have you have less than a year actually to try to teach a lot right so you have those those two things right political and time constraints and we don't get to go into detail how how slavery affect people in the most personal way Mm -hmm. right you know we don't get to talk about those things because you may only have a couple of days to get through it right Right. Um, and I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying the way it's the way we do it is right. What I'm mm-hmm. what I want to say is that as a, as a teacher uh, and as a as a student, because teachers are, should always be students. We're always learning, right? And always right. teach our students to learn that we're gonna have to take some time, a little extra time, right? In the in, in our timeline to teach the curriculum, just to say, hey. Let's step back, and I just want to talk to you about the the intricacies or some of the gray areas of slavery because our textbooks don't do a good job, and we have to, 
you know, take into account that when textbooks are published, they publish for the most widest audience because they're trying to sell them to everybody, right? Right. So they're very, um, they may have a Georgia supplement or they may say this is the Georgia version and they may have a, a page or two about, say, slavery in Georgia, right? But teachers mm-hmm. have to supplement that stuff, bring in personal stories, bring in slave narratives, you know, also, mm-hmm. you know, access the WPA oral history files, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, let, this, let the students hear, you know, former slave or enslaved people voices and, and hear their stories so that the students can see, okay, these people actually live, you know, they actually went through these things. They actually had to face choices and make decisions that affected family members for generations. Right. And people, what, people have to understand that at at the moment in time, you're making the best decision that you can based on the circumstances that are around you. Exactly. And he, your, 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 your uh, forefather had to make a decision. You know, we're being separated. We're being sold. He don't know if he's going to see her again. And he had mm-hmm. to, that hurt him. It wasn't a decision that he made to move on with his life and get married again, whether he was it was an arranged situation or he was forced into it or he willingly in, engaged with this lady. Mm-hmm. He, he had, he had to make a decision. Right. Right. And right. So, so I, by each woman. Yes. And so it's, it's that detail and, mm-hmm. um, people make the decision, make their decisions based on survival and, and based on, you know, their, their future and any future children they, they may have. Right. Right. So I think that, you know, the conversation is not just about history, but it's also about how people perceive Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. It's about how people celebrate Juneteenth. And I think that how each family celebrates Juneteenth uh, is going to be unique for each for each generation and for each family. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to, uh, I you know, summer school right now, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> so uh, I'm the lead teacher for the summer school program at uh, Upper Bound that's at Morehouse. And we had a couple of teachers. We were doing our faculty meeting this morning. And, you know, today I have on a a flag, a shirt, right, little shirt. And it looks like it has flag. It's made with the colors of red, white, and blue and the little stars. And um, we started having conversation about whether I was celebrating Juneteenth by wearing this. Right. Mm. And my statement was that, you know, we had plenty of of African-Americans die defending in the flag. Right. And, you know, I was in the military. My brother was in the military. I have an uncle that was in the Navy. My grandfather and his brother were in the military. So and then, you know, you had African-Americans, free blacks that joined the uh, Civil War regiments that joined the. um that joined the American Revolution, and Afri- and African Americans fought on both sides when it came to the American Re- to the American Revolution, mm-hmm. when it came to the French and Indian War or the Seven Years' War. People decided, oh, I'm going to fight with the French or I'm going to fight with the British, and I think that everyone's decision, right, as African Americans, should be honored because they were doing what they thought was best. For their future. 
and trying to make their lives better here in the United States. Exactly. Exactly. And like, I know that this is, you know, important for us, but we got to realize that without African-Americans, there, it, there would be no United States of America. Of course. Our contribution is so pivotal that it cannot be ignored, even though they, you know, even though individuals try to make it small, you cannot make what we have done for this country small. No, um, no, you can't. How did you first hear about Juneteenth? Who taught you about it? Like, I, oh, okay, so it's um, I think things have changed now. You know, mm-hmm. um, we got to remember. Well, you don't, you don't know, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm 43 years old, right? And so I graduated high school in 1995. And I'm telling you, I didn't learn about Juneteenth in high school. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I uh, I learned about Juneteenth when I got to college. And, you know, when I got to college, uh, my mind was totally blown. Like, I was exposed to so much stuff um, because I had I had people that saw me and intervened in my life and tried to educate me more about the, um, ed- just educate me more about the poli- politics and the, and religion and life of African-Americans. And you would think, as an African-American, you would know a lot, but you don't, right? Because... Right. People just don't talk, right? Family members don't. Family members don't share enough of their stories. Um, of course, when I was in, but when I was in school in the nineties, you didn't learn a lot. I mean, you learned about slavery and stuff like that, but you didn't learn like, you know, all the 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 continuum from like black radicals to black conservatives to black leftists to black republicans you didn't learn all that and i didn't learn all that until i got to college right and so um that's when i learned about juneteenth and and um a lot of a lot of uh stuff that i learned when i was in college about black politics and and the history of black political thought uh really impacted you know how i perceive you know black history now Okay. Well, you know, for me, like I didn't I didn't learn about it until I I was in sixth grade and it was nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine and we had a very Afrocentric sub. Cause it wasn't in the textbooks. You didn't you write about that, show not. Mm McGraw Hill didn't care too much about us. Um <laughs> and <laughs> um mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just remember, like, I said, wait, there's a date? And, like, what is, what are you talking about? And so, because it wasn't a textbook, and I was such a, you know, by the book sort of kid, like, that good kid, like, if it's not in the book, it doesn't exist. And then I went home and asked my mother about it. She said, yeah, there's something called Juneteenth. I'm not too sure about it, but it, apparently it exists. And so, like, that was the beginning of uh, good old Al Wars Internet. And I went onto the internet, looked up Juneteenth, found it, um, read about it, and I was like, wow. And so that was the last time I heard about it until um, I reached college. And like you, I went to Morehouse, and well, not like I, you went to UJ, but like you're at Morehouse right now teaching. Um, but I went to Morehouse, and Morehouse actually uh, wrote their own history books. 
um, that's geared toward African American history. Mm-hmm. And Juneteenth was a good two pages explaining what you no know, what you no know, what transpired and why it was important. And then from there into my adult life, I would hear Juneteenth this, Juneteenth that, but it you know it's not it wouldn't be as big. But now it's going to be big now because after you know everything that has occurred uh, within this you know current climate especially yeah. political climate, um, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a very big holiday. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to say on that point, um, yeah. I don't know if you've been checking out the news as of late. I know, you know, several states have added it, right? It's been a, it's been a national holiday in Texas for a minute, but some other states are picking it up to make it a holiday for their state. It's not a federal holiday, Right. But, you know, mm-hmm. some states are adding it as holidays onto their calendar. And I know Atlanta Public Schools announced this week that they're going to make it a paid holiday. So that's nice <clears throat> that more people are recognizing it um, nationally. Right. Um, and I think that um, because of I think because of the generation Mm-hmm. Okay, that we have because the atrocities that are, that we've witnessed as of late has always been happening. Right. This, this these things are not new. They they've been happening for hundreds of years, years right? <laughs> right. Okay. And so I think that the general the generation that we have now because of the news coverage, right? The news the news the the type of news coverage we have now didn't exist twenty years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. If someone was to get you know, hurt or, you know, uh, abused or whatnot, you can hear about it instantly, no matter where it's at. If it makes the, if it's local, if it's really, even if it's local, local news, right? Right. Um, So I think this, the generation, the people that are, you know, they're getting, because and it's so concentrated, um, Mm -hmm. they are, they're acting out and they're acting out in a good way. Right. They're yes. they're being politically active. And I'm really enjoying this because I've always told the students and I've been teaching again for 15 years that you got to know your rights. If you don't pay attention to no other classes in your in your whole high school year, whole high school career, that American government class and that U.S. history class, you need to pay attention to mm-hmm. um, because these things um that you're going to learn is going to help you become a more effective citizen. You have the right to assemble. That's your first amendment. You worrying about these second amendment rights. You need to worry about your first amendment rights. Right. Okay. Because hey, you got a president out there saying he's going to shoot people with rubber bullets and whatever okay. else. Like, don't show up to protest here. Like, no, anybody can protest mm-hmm. that. Is that is the right? Because that <laughs> above and beyond anything. You should be able to congregate together and share common ideals. Yes. Or share different ideals in an intelligent way. Yes. That is an American right. That's yes. That's what makes us unique as a, as the United States. You know, we can while other nations, you know, may put, you know, put uh um things in place to censor stuff. The one thing that we need to protect here is that people have the right to have an opinion people mm-hmm. have the right to share that opinion but you also have the right to disagree <laughs> okay exactly. and okay i think that um 
out of Juneteenth, a lot of conversation can come out of Juneteenth about what does it mean to be African-American now? Mm-hmm. How can different political factions within the African-American community can come together to make our community better? And not only that, how can all minorities, right? Asian-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Latino X, uh, you know, any, any, how can, how can these different entities come together to make the community better, right? For everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, because we all have had similar, we all have had some parts in our history here in America have had some parts where some of our history has intersected. Mm-hmm. Right? We, ne- we may not necessarily have had the same experiences but our histories have intersected in points where we could come together and unite to make life better for all of us exactly Um, so you have groups of uh people that are not african-american but but they join with african-americans during this independence day remember juneteenth is a is the african-american independence day yes and that is the most beautiful thing that has been said because I'm not sure you're able to hear it or my listeners are able to hear it. Um, outside my house right now is firecrackers. It's outside my house. <laughs> outside my house too. I thought maybe I was like, I hope you don't think people are getting shot up over here. These are firecrackers <laughs> going off. This and now I'm loving it. It's beautiful <laughs> that we had like, they are really celebrating that this is our independence day. So like, because you know, Eternally, when um, minorities celebrate July 4th, we're not very happy when we celebrate. We, we take it all, okay, well, you know, we just want to cook out, but, you know, it's, this day is really not for us because we were not free. Or if you're uh, a Native American, oh no, we, they were subjugated and, you know, it's like, it's it, it's a horrible experience, and then if you're Asian American, you weren't allowed to be in the United States legally until like the 1940s, 1950s. And then you know during the 1940s, you were putting in you know internment camps. We're gonna call exactly. them concentra- concentration camps. That's what we're gonna call them. You know, mm-hmm. you you would have. We, I don't want to get off the subject, but you would have Asian Americans have pitted against each other because you would have to say, "I'm Chinese." Right, you right. shouldn't have to say I'm Chinese because you don't want to be mistaken for a Japanese, because the Japanese are being discriminated against. Right, you shouldn't have to do that. And simply whisper away, and nobody knows what's happening. Like, like it's Nazi Germany. So, it's um that's some of the commonality and some of the intersection I'm talking about. You mm-hmm. know, um, and so you had um just all these different experiences and we have to, we have to um, just make time to talk about all the different experiences African-Americans have had because they're not black and white. They're not, they're not, there's gray air, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Juneteenth, I think is an opportunity for us as African-Americans to come together and talk about those different experiences. Um, you know, during and celebrating, and not only talk about those different experiences, but celebrating the trials that our forefathers went through for us to be here today and be able to enjoy the rights that were that were that were given to us anyway, 
like these are our rights, but we couldn't enjoy them because we were discriminated against because of Jim Crow laws or just racism and et cetera. But we had plenty of people that died, marched, rallied, that uh, fought, that did things to prove themselves so that we could have what we have today. Exactly. Um, so even though I know Juneteenth is one of these days that, you know what, this is a win, but it's also somewhat of, you know, of it's it's also a sad win, I guess I'm trying to say. Um, because like we said before, the people uh, the slaves in Texas did not know they were free until two months later, two, three months later. Um So, like, is it appropriate to say Happy Juneteenth? I don't think it is. I think it's like say it's almost like saying Happy Memorial Day, or it's it's sort of it's, it's sort of a weird situation where it's not really a happy. It didn't come from a happy circumstance. It's like almost like, oh, you tell me all the time I've been free and I've been getting whipped. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's um it's. It's sort of it's a double edged sword when you look at it. And yeah. And those those critical conversations I'm talking about where mm-hmm. you there's mixed feelings. It's a great it's a great area where it's like it's sad that we had to go through that. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, people are still holding us as slaves even though we legally were free like years or months <laughs> before. Um but it's also a win. Right. Yes. Because you got we got free, and then people took that freedom and 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 tried to create a better life for their for their for their future and for their children that were coming down the line, in the best way that they knew how. And that's the thing that we tend to forget is that people in the moment, like right now in the moment, you're making the best decision based on the knowledge that you have right now. People are doing the best that they have, that they know right now. And, you know, sometimes people go and say, well, people have slave mentality. They didn't know this and they didn't know that. But that might be the case when you're looking back on history and you're looking at the bigger picture. But in the moment of time that this person is living, they're trying to make the best decision they can for their family right now. Right? Exactly. So um, I think that having those critical conversations need to be had. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's okay to have mixed feelings um, and, to dis- and to discuss those feelings with uh, your family. And I think Juneteenth should be a very personal holiday. I think people should celebrate it outside of just, okay, you know, this is a holiday and I just want to barbecue and shoot a firework. But... I want to also learn more about my people, uh, mm-hmm. try to learn more about um, my, ancest- my ancestors, uh, try to become more educated in Black political thought, um, and become um, more educated in ways to make our lives better, mm-hmm. right? Use this opportunity to honor those that came before us. Exactly. And, you know, 
I know you probably can't talk on this because you're in the educational system and I don't want to put you out there like that. Um, but I'm not. Um, okay. <laughs> the 45th president of the United States stated that he made Juneteenth more famous. He did not. Well, but, let me wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me say this. Let me say this, right? Mm-hmm. I apologize for interrupting. Maybe he made it more famous for the people that he, who are in his circles. How about that? Right. <laughs> for, for people in his circles. In his circles. Right. <laughs> but he was saying that he made he made it into something. I said, and I'm thinking to myself, no, you did not. Because guess what? We're celebrating it because of all the systemic racism, because of all the oppression, and we're tired. We need a day. And we need a day that is common knowledge to all. And so now we have this uh, June 19th, Juneteenth, to re- reference to that we have always known about, but we was always never sure how to celebrate or we should even celebrate it. It's not because of him. It's not, it, it, he's not behind this day. Oh no. It's because we're tired. And as a people, we need to be uplifted. We need our own special day. And we're not talking about like Kwanzaa or Black History Month. We need a day that it, you know, that exudes that we are Americans and that we are free Americans. Oh and, yeah. And this is like one of those. These this is one of the turning points in American history where like, okay, now we're gonna really look at Juneteenth. And getting back to the history books, when you look at McGraw Hill again. And it states that you can't, you can't just keep throwing McGraw Hill under the bus. There's also Pearson and other people. Okay, Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody, everybody gonna get some of me tonight. Um, <laughs> it's also um, it's it's also the fact that we 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 won't have to have this mentioned in the books. It has to be stated. Um, just like they try to change us from slaves to migrant workers. No, migrant workers can run away. Migrant workers were not owned. There was they were, migrant workers are not property. It's not like I can go to a Home Depot, pick up five people in the pickup truck, and now they're gonna be with me for their life in my backyard. That sure. doesn't work. So we were slaves. There's a there's a clear difference. And so this twisting of history and the fact that we are finally pissed is a lovely thing because now we can try to we could now they won't try us like they've been trying us for the past five years. We're trying to this revisionist history or trying to placate um the majority by not making them feel guilty about something. Um we need like beyond this. This can actually extend to us actually getting reparations. And I'm hoping that we do get reparations because we we have because even with this little June even with Juneteenth holiday and it's great, it's a great thing to have it. We have we need the reparations because we have already started economically behind the eight ball. So that's just that's my little spiel. Again. I'm sorry, McGraw Hill, if I was targeting you. It's Pearson. Um, <laughs> other, other publishers. 
publishing houses, textbook people. Um, yeah. Now there are textbooks. Let me. There's a caveat. There are textbook publishers that do have an African American history series. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you know your uh, school system has to be willing to purchase it. Right, and that's another. That's also another thing. Like, um, school systems are not really. I know. I know you can't say this, but I can say it. School systems are not really doing their part where they're actually catering to all cultural backgrounds. They're doing just enough so students can pass the test, like you said before. And like that's one thing I don't want people to take away from because now that you gotta teach on a um a really structured um curriculum, and it takes and it takes away some of the information that is truly out there and so they won't get everything you know about what, what America really is or how it really came about because it's not going to be on the test because you have to teach within the time frame yeah but we have to do our part as parents also yes yes and um not just biological parents but you know auntie down that's my auntie <laughs> no, no kid to you you know, my play cousin or my play brother or whatever, as as older people that or people that are, you know, if you're older than, you know, your siblings or you have, you know, you know, extended family, we have to take, we have to do what mm-hmm. siblings um, talk about those things that are in school. And educate ourselves so that we can talk about these things to our our um, people that we're mentoring or our children or, you know, our family members. Um, and sometimes you don't want other people telling your story. Exactly. And that's one thing about the African, uh, well, the African experience and also the African-American experience does. Um, we are very, uh, we're oral storytellers. Yeah. We don't write it down. We pass it down by mouth. Um, and that's just that, that that was our culture in Africa, and that was our culture here in um America because of you know we weren't allowed to read or write and um that's that, that's just how it is. It's like we have to be able to hold that again where we're willing to talk about it. But again, when you talk about us being able to verbalize it, that goes back to how slavery has impacted us emotionally. Where, you know, when you get hurt by something, most times you don't want to talk about it. Or when it's like deep pain, you don't mention it ever again because things are fine now. But back then it hurt so much that I want to bring it up to my children. When we need to stop that, when everything in the history should, you know, be stated and how we overcame it because of the learning lesson. Um, yes. Yeah. Now, again, uh, just switching gears a little bit, uh, this is my last question. Um, the commercialization of Juneteenth. Uh, I'm hoping it's not going to be commercialized. Ooh, wait, there's people already out there trying to do that. Right. I mean, like, I don't want to see Walmart trying to do half off on Kente Kwan. But... <laughs> it's, uh, um, you know, uh, I think that with anything... You know, that becomes, as it becomes more and more popular, it becomes more and more commercialized. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
we have to be careful as a group of people and as individual family units to not forget the origins of the story, not forget why we celebrate. Like I said a little earlier, you're not celebrating Juneteenth because I got my I got uh, some time off work and I want to barbecue, shoot off fireworks, and get drunk. Exactly. You also want to sit down and talk to your children about why this is important. Why am why are why are we having why why is life the way it is for us as African American? When you put on the the term, if you claim the term African American, that that comes with some stuff, some a heavy load, and you need to know what that means, right? Exactly. And so this is why we celebrate Juneteenth, and this is what has happened over the years since June the nineteenth, and this is where we are today. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, and um, for me, like when I think about uh how we should celebrate it, I think we should do festivals. Not I mean like where we don't have like you know um, we got vendors, but it can be like small business, uh, black small black business owners as vendors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or uh, well, that's what we've been doing, but now we can do it on maybe. A larger scale or more festivals throughout uh, the United States. Um, yeah, this, yeah, the same way you know some of the more local July the Fourth events, yes. where you know you bring in storytellers, you bring in you know, you know where people are cooking authentic food, a food that would have been celebrated on June the June the nineteenth. Um, you know, foods that are brought over from Africa that have been adopted into the culture, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, you have a lot of, I don't know if you notice, uh, there's a Southern resurgence, and then you see this, uh, um, you know, where they take foods that were brought from Africa, that was part of traditional African-Americans, um, freed or slave family life, right, that mm-hmm. was adopted by the larger culture, and now they're trying to make it their own. Like, okra means the South. Like I saw that today mm. when I was in the when I was at the grocery store, I saw a magazine. Right. Mm. Okra is a southern culture. Well, okra <laughs> is not native to the to the to these United States. I didn't right? know that. Mm-hmm. So okra is brought over. Black eyed peas are brought over. Mm-hmm. Brought over. And um so we just want to make sure that we don't forget the little things um, and tell those stories not of just the trials that we went through but the things that we triumphant were triumphant over right these right. are the things that we can celebrate and you know if you it's easier now to find out more about Juneteenth than it was when I was in high school you know there's this website called Juneteenth.com and that's the go-to website to learn about the about Juneteenth right of course, you know, you have PBS. Um, I know that New York Times has the 1619 Project. Um, mm-hmm. You have uh, plenty of uh, your news shows. I know in, in, in S, was it NS, NBC is doing something today. CNN is doing something today. Um, you have a lot of... Uh, you know, the National Museum for African-American History, of course. That's information on Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, and this website called the uh, called Reckon, 
um, I showed that they have a video on a five minute video. If you tend to not want to sit still for a long time, because some of these videos on Juneteenth can be long, they're like documentaries. But if you have five minutes, is this uh, on YouTube? I showed it today to my class because I teach career readiness also. Um, and I showed that to my class. Like, well, look, we're going to pause the tape. We're going to talk a little bit about Juneteenth today. Then we're going to get back on career readiness because you don't know who your peoples is. You're still going to be struggling. You got to know who you are, who you belongs to. <laughs> right. And that's a, that's, right? that's a big part. Um, so before we um, end tonight, um, I would like you to go ahead and give, you know, your final um, thoughts on Juneteenth. And then um, I will set you free. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I, Juneteenth is important to me, mm-hmm. right? And as we also, as a based on my own personal experiences, you know, and my family's history, you know, I celebrate Juneteenth in in my own way, right? Mm-hmm. And I celebrate it with, um, of course, diving into our history, um, more into my family's history, reading more about, you know, African-Americans in the South during the antebellum period and post-antebellum pe- period, you know, doing research on that. But <clears throat> I think that anybody that considers them an African, considers themselves an African-American, Black, African-American, Negro, Afro-American, whatever term you want to pick, it's changed. It seems like it changes every 10 years. <laughs> you can, you should find out as much as you can about Juneteenth. You should find out as much as you can about your own personal family history. And sometimes that's hard. Because there's not a lot of records, right? And so you have to make a little, you have to do more, you have to make a bigger effort, right? Mm-hmm. To find out about your family. Um, but also, you need to do it so that your your future generations can be empowered. The more you know and the more, the more that you can pass down, the more empowered your children and their children will be. And I think that's what Juneteenth is about. This is about knowledge, right? It's about overcoming what's been withheld from you. Right. And taking that and empowering your yourself and your and your family and your future generations. Yeah. Um, so as we as we uh, leave this podcast, this episode, I want to piggyback off my sister, Riosha Bush, and say that our people must take responsibility and accountability for our history. Um, for too long, our history has been trying to, try, has been kept in the shadows and not taught, but now is the time for us to bring it to light. Now is the time for us to actually learn it and ingratiate ourselves with it. Um, she, uh, my sister, has given us um, plenty of uh, resources to look into. Um, there's also 
if you do like Ancestry.com uh, or uh, 23andMe, mm -hmm. you can find your genetic background and regions that you descend from. That may, I, may, may, I, may I add one thing? Yes, ma'am. I want to say that you're lucky if you stay in the state of Georgia because you have a national archives yes. in the state for the southern region. So, like, if you were living in Texas, Alabama, you had to drive. Um, the Georgia archives that's located in Clayton County, they have free resources. They, the um, Ancestry.com, mm -hmm. um, your military histories, um, you know, death and burial records. Georgia Archives has all that for free. Um, so I know sometimes you have you have to pay, and that may be hindrance when you have to use Ancestry.com. Yes. So <laughs> just j just know that if you go to the Georgia Archives, if you go to the National Archives, using those applications will be free because they get that information. Guess what? From them. <laughs> wow, I did not know that. Thank you. Yep. That's awesome. Um, wow. Okay. So on that note, y'all go to the Georgia Archives. Tell tell the story of our people. Thank you for joining me on for on the road. Thank you, um, Miss Bush. Um, and everybody have a enlightened Juneteenth. Good night.